Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen Hamilton. I'm an artist, educator, and you are listening to Studio Noise. Yes, yes, it's the noise, the noise, you know, the sound of creation, wherever you see and you hear things being made, oh, it's guaranteed you're going to find some black folks up in the place. We making quilts, we making sculptures, we making paintings, we making noise, it's the noise. That's what we love right here on the Studio Noise Podcast, sponsored by NBAF. Go check them out at nbaf.org. Uh, support our sponsors, support people that support you. Black artists uh, has been doing big things for a long time. So let's keep it going. Let's keep them going. Keep us going. <laughs> That's how it works, yo. It's all reciprocal, yo. We help each other. And of course, this is your boy, Jake Barber, printmaker, artist, third year grad student. I shook off this semester, one semester left, one semester down. You know what I'm saying? As we continue to count down. I poked my head up from this semester doing all this work to get back to this. Ah, I've been loving these conversations, been loving talking to these people and talking to y'all, giving these conversations to y'all. Because, you know, we all about archiving all these contemporary black art voices that are out there making the art that you love right now. That's what we love, yo, the working artists that's doing it, giving you inspiration, getting you inside of these artist studios, because even before COVID, you still couldn't go see them. <laughs> so that's what we got. That's what you got us for. Don't worry about it. We got you. You know what I'm saying? So another great conversation coming at you this week. Uh, it's right before Christmas when this comes out. You know what I'm saying? Merry Christmas to everybody that's out there celebrating uh, Hanukkah. You know what I'm saying? All that good stuff. Whatever you, whatever's your bag. You know what I'm saying? Congratulations to you. We made it. Yeah. So all I want for Christmas is to set a record at auction. And get some money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm looking at this article from Culture Type. Uh, they're talking about, and I'm going to read right here. A double portrait by Amy Sherrill set an astronomic new auction record December 7th at Phillips, New York. Two bathers soared to $4,265,000 against a low six-figure estimate. And see, I don't even know why they gave her the estimate. Like, what What was they thinking? You know, they didn't know who they dealing with right now. Uh, I love to see this kind of stuff, you know, where where black artists are just getting that recognition is, is breaking. Now, you know, I don't at the same time, it's kind of like, how do you deal with it? Like that kind of success. You know what I'm saying? Well, Amy's been in the game for a long time. She's legendary. Got to get her on the podcast somehow. <laughs> I'm just going to keep sending emails until <laughs> they, they get back with me. But yeah, so, you know, I wonder what it's like to be in that space. I wonder what it's like to get that much money. I mean, the, the gallery is probably taking half. So well, this is auction. So auction, she's not getting any money, which is a different conversation. But just the, the level that her work is being able to be sold at right now, uh, that's got to be pretty amazing, you know, just be able to take care of yourself like that. I mean, that's the top one percent. That's what we all uh, striving to do breaking through but a lot of uh, a lot of artists came through and set records on this one let's see what we got Hinde wiley mickalene oh love mickalene thomas barkley hendrix uh my man art poser i remember his instagram art poser alex garner uh that guy's phenomenal too both for delaney oh okay 
I, I like this. I mean, so so that's pretty good to see. That lets you know it's a market out there. It's a strong market. I think we're starting to turn the corner for a lot of different reasons, right? Maybe it's because they've been neglecting and missing out on so much. We got all the inventory, right? Because the art was been amazing. But now I guess they finally get in the mix. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Sending prayers up 2021. I want to get in the mix. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get out of grad school. I want to get up in it. See, can I, you know, y'all just give me 10. <laughs> I just get, y'all just give me 10. I'll be straight. You know what I mean? It's going to be a great, another great Christmas. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's what we on, yo. So that brings us to today, our episode today, where we got a uh, South African artist. I reached out, made a big time connection uh, all the way across the ocean to, to find this woman. You know, I fell in love with her work. I found, found it online, fell in love with it. Uh, that is Layla Fanner right here on Studio Noise. Gave her a call over in South Africa. As you'll see in the interview, we were having some technical difficulties. Uh, we were using WhatsApp. It was my first time using it. You know, a lot of different stuff going on. But, uh, you know, I, I did my thing, cut and paste, cha-cha-cha. I did all that stuff, made it work. And, of course, bringing you another fantastic interview with a great, amazing artist. I think y'all are going to really love this one, getting to know this lady. Uh, she's doing some fantastic work. Love it, love it, love it. With no further ado, you know how we do right here on Studio Noise. It's later Fanner, right after the break. It's the noise. Right, it's Studio Noise. It's your boy Jay Barber. I'm live from Atlanta, but our special guest is all the way from South Africa. You know, I always find the best talent to bring y'all to have these great conversations. And so now I'm bringing to you Miss Layla Fanner. How you doing? Thank you. Fine and you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm so glad to be talking with you. Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, so with this podcast, I know uh, it usually goes one of three ways, right? Where either I know the artist personally, I've done shows with you and I connect with you, or it's kind of like mm -hmm. a big superstar name. And it's like, I'm just going to see if they come on. And then, you know, magically we get like a Deborah Roberts or something <laughs> on the show. And then uh, sometimes yeah. it's just me finding artists online and just wanting to know about their practice. And that's where you come in. Like mm -hmm. I just found your work online and I just think your work is so beautiful and lush and the colors and like the the themes and all of it. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you, Jamal. That's always lovely to hear, <laughs> especially from a man. Oh, really? <laughs> I often think, yeah, for some reason, I, I always think that my art speaks to women, but I have actually quite a few men that um, buy my work and love my work. So, and I, I always find it just quite amazing and surprising and wonderful because it is very, it is quite feminine and sort of, um, I hate to say the word decorative, but in, in not the, not the way, not the, the wrong way to say it, <laughs> the right way to say it. <laughs> Some people, I know you didn't study art either from the video I watched you. And I, I have this funny, this funny sort of thing about people who've studied art have got this very negative connotation about decorative art. So I always 
I'm careful about how I use that word, but yeah, in terms of it's very pretty and elegant, as you said, and I just sort of don't always imagine men being attracted to that in art, but obviously there would be, as I say it, I just think it sounds silly. <laughs> <laughs> as you were talking about like men, not thinking men would be attracted to your work. That's interesting because as a man, when I look at it, there is a sense of femininity to the work um, that I find very mm. elegant and beautiful. And so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess it's just a different way of looking at it. But I also love art, too. So it's kind of mm. <laughs> it's kind of yes. that thing, too. It's true. and But also you being an artist also um, makes a difference. I think artists are, are very sort of balanced in their masculine and feminine in many ways. But um, as, I, as I was busy explaining my thought process, I realized it doesn't make any sense because obviously we're attracted to the opposite of what we are in many ways, especially as True. men and women. True. So the things that I love in art are often very strong masculine things. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I kind of want to get to know you a little bit and talk more about um, where you came from as a lead up to the work. And so, you know, website, yes. and they can check your website, uh, LaylaFanaArt.com. Um, and they can see that yes. you were born That's in California, but raised in South Africa. Like how, how long did you stay here and, and what was kind of that journey like? Because it seemed like a really big shift. Well, um, I am purely South African in the sense that I didn't grow up there at all. Um, my mom is South African, and she was over there studying at UCLA, and um, she had me, and then she had my sisters, who just came like a year later, <laughs> and oh, they're wow. twins. Wow. <laughs> and then she left. So she was obviously having a great time in, um, <laughs> instead of doing her studies, although she did finish. She was studying anthropology, strangely enough. <laughs> but it was the 60s, and she was hanging out. She was going to um, Black Panther meetings, and she performed <laughs> wow, yeah. in hair, naked. And you can just imagine she was having a great time. So, But, yeah, she came back with three children, unmarried, white mother, with me, a little brown child, and two little white kids. Mm. And she came back to a very different situation in this country. Uh, it was very difficult for her. And um, I'm sure she regretted coming back, actually. But, yeah. So, I was three okay. when we came yeah. back here. So, my memories of America are extremely vague. <laughs> and um, I actually only went back for the first time when I was 46 Oh, wow. Um, we went to New York, a group of artists, to exhibit at the Harlem, um, what's it called? Um, it's in that beautiful church. They oh, have, the um, Harlem Fine Art Show. That's it, yeah. So that was my first time back in the country of my birth, and it was quite an amazing experience. That's awesome. So yeah, that's yeah, it's a strange story. So I'm I'm really South African in in thinking and you know, um, psyche and whatever. But when I was there, I could I felt something. It was a very interesting shift I could feel inside me. Um, 
was it was quite an emotional thing actually. I sort of see it now as America is my dad and South Africa is my mom. Oh wow! Because that's really how it is. Because my mom is South African and my dad was a black American or African American. I'm not sure what you guys say now. What's PC to say? <laughs> <laughs> so, you you here with the fam, so it's all good. Yeah, we we understand what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah. So that, that's interesting. So did you, you didn't had no or minimal contact with your father at all? Like, or was he in your life? Um, no contact whatsoever. Wow. Um, she left and she had already got involved with um, my sister's father when I was born. So... Uh, yeah, um, my dad. I mean, I don't know how much you want to go into. It on oh this, no, no, it's fine. I'm just, this is just background. You can go. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't yeah. have to like go so super deep if you don't want to. It's okay. I mean, it's very interesting, but it's not really to do with my art at all. But yeah, I don't. I don't know him at all, and um, I wish I did. And um, that, I suppose, that side of my story does actually have a lot to do with my art but um not the details so much just the the psychological effect you know of coming right. to a country where there was rife racism and um having a white family my my sisters and my mum both being white um i had a complete identity crisis you know um especially in my teens and i was desperate to find out who my dad was what he looked like and just connect with my my black family, and that was completely not possible. So um, I think that, and I remember distinctly at one point looking through because my favorite thing, and this I I, I saw a similarity with you, your path and mine um, when I watched your video about um, being in love with with illustrations and storybooks and. I think you said yours were cartoons, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I um, I just fell in love with, with storybooks, and I always thought I'd be a writer at some point, and um, illustrations, children's illustrations. And I remember this one specific moment when I realized that there were no black children in the illustrations. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it was such a shock to me. And I... And I realized that I hadn't even noticed it. And then when I noticed it, I couldn't unsee it right. again, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then it was just, and then I became obsessed with being able to fill that gap. So I think that's why a lot of my art is so sort of, it's almost illustrative and romantic and elegant and whatever, in a way trying to, to fill that gap of, those beautiful, almost unreal images, um, fa fantasy images that I fell in love with um, and then with black figures in them instead of just all these perfect, pretty little white figures, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I think that would, uh, it points to something interesting about your background when you said that you felt like your mother had a hard time like coming back. Like, how was your time? like growing up and being there and, yeah. and trying to find your well, identity? Well, because, well, um, she, you know, she was a single mother, a single white mother with a brown child, so she got a lot of flack um, 
even from her direct family. I mean, my grandmother wouldn't let her walk in the front door when she came to visit with us. Wow. She had to come in the back door wow. because of me. And it didn't affect me until uh, sort of halfway through primary school when, you know, kids were teasing me about my color. Um, and it was a predominantly Afrikaans school. So um, it was it was sort of more pronounced. Um, and when I went to uh, um, high school, it was an English um, art school. And that already sort of made it more progressive. And also it was later, you know, in the years. And we were heading towards uh, Mandela being freed. So um, the atmosphere was a lot more um, open and progressive. and inclusive um, but I was still I was the only brown child and then there was a little Asian girl who did music we were the only two um, people of color in the whole school um, wow. in high school um, and I'd say the hardest part was probably when I was in primary school because when I went to art school um, I was suddenly it, it switched around from primary school where I was sort of a pariah and kids were punished by, they had to stand next to me. The boys oh, wow. were punished. Their punishment was to stand next to me. <laughs> oh, wow. It's actually so funny to think about it now. But when I went to high school, it was like a flip side of the whole thing. I was suddenly, everybody wanted to draw me, paint me. Everyone wanted me in the fashion shows. I, I was suddenly the the most wanted where I've been the most not wanted. Wow. That, yeah, that's had to be that's a shift. Of the, of the experience, which is completely dramatic. It was quite bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so, strange. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you, so what did you, is that when you, when you started doing art, like when you went to kind of the secondary school? I went, I went to art school um, to do art and then changed my mind. Um, sort of overnight and did drama instead because I didn't like the look of the art teacher. Oh, really? Um, like, <laughs> yeah, there was something, well, it turned out I wasn't that, you know, a child's, I mean, I was only 13 and a child's, um, or 14, I think, um, perception is, is and intuition is quite um, spot on usually. He, he ended up being... Um, an, an unsavory character, shall I just say? I won't. Oh man, that's terrible. Too, too much. Yeah. So, um, so I ended up doing drama, and it was very boring. But I mean, I was I was quite a, a clown when I was young. It was sort of my way of getting um, to be liked. You know, I sort of became the funny one mm. because I was so different anyway. I was the one that stuck out anyway. You know, so. And then, um, sorry, I've, I kind of forgot what you asked me. Oh, no, no. Just I'm just talking about, um, like, um, your experience growing up and how you got into art. So you said you were um, uh, into yes, drama. Yeah. Like, when did you, so when did you make did the shift back? Drama. Well, not at school. Um, but all my friends were the arts, art kids. Um, and my mother was an artist. I don't know if I told you that, but she was an artist. So I started doing art, you know, from a young age. I was I was just always doing art anyway, and I loved it. But I didn't, I never saw it as something I would really do um, as a career. 
um, I just chose the, the school, art school, to go to because my cousin was going there and she was so happy. Mm. And then I started doing art. Yeah, I just started doing art straight after school, basically. Um, there was no way that the drama situation was going to work out for me, um, especially not in this country. Um, so, yeah, I just started, you know, painting and um, doing graphic design and um, what else? Mm, yeah, I just started doing doing what I, what I knew I could do. And then I, I sort of took a, a – a, a, well, I, I just veered away from that and went into the corporate world for a while, which wasn't completely away from it. I did um, like an art direction type thing. Right. So I was involved with all the creatives and all that, but it was actually not very creative for me. I was directing everybody. And I did that for a long time just, you know, because it was well paid and um, I started to really, really miss being creative myself. And then after the birth of my second child, I took a maternity leave and I just threw myself back into painting. So that was in my mid-30s. Um, and so I've, I've come into the art world quite late in my life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you would say that you came back to it almost, like you, you kind of started and then left yeah. and then came back. Like, um, it's interesting because <laughs> art can be that kind of thing that calls you back, right? It's always totally. something that you that you're totally. thinking about wanting to do. Uh, and so, what 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 do you think was the impulse, and what did you paint when you first started back doing it, like in your in your in your thirties? Um, abstract, abstract. Uh, abstract art completely. Um, yeah. Um, even as a child, I mean, I know a child doesn't really know what they're doing so much, but I did have a mother who was an illustrator and my choice, my first choice of painting, um, things was abstracts. I was not at all interested in doing figures or, and I was a very good drawer. I could draw. I, I was really good at drawing. Um, so it wasn't, it was almost not a challenge for me. Um, and I just loved playing with color. So um, in my 30s, I started with abstracts and I started selling almost immediately. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, I had some amazing friends in the art world who sort of just guided me and introduced me to galleries and whatever. And I started doing abstracts. I still do abstract work, but. My figurative work, um, it took a while for me to get comfortable with it because I think with abstract work, you can be very, um, you can be, you can almost hide away. You can be very nonspecific. And with figurative work, you've got to know what you're saying. You've got to be very clear about what it is you're, yeah, what, what story you're telling, I suppose. And I think it was only when I I started to get really deep into my questioning my own spiritual journey and my my history, my black roots and not knowing my father and all that. It was then that my art 
my figurative art started to get stronger mm. and started to I started to get more joy out of it, you know. And then I think, yeah. Um, and then actually how, how um, my figurative art has started to really um, go places was, it's just very. Right. So we have some problems on recording, but in a, one section that uh, I couldn't salvage, uh, we got to talking about CCH Pounder and how she had an effect on her life. So the actress that she talked about is the big time collector, CCH Pounder. Uh, you've seen her around, you know her from a whole bunch of stuff and, and she's been advocating for the arts for a long time. So uh, that's where the conversation picks up. I was just saying how um, my work is, my figurative work suddenly took off. Right, yeah. Um, and yeah, I was asking you if you know who she is. She's an actress in... Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not not yeah, I do know her. She's a, she's a big, big collector. Okay. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, she introduced me to a gallery in Los Angeles, and um, we, I had a show there. Well, just I had a few pieces showing um, while someone else had a, um, a solo. Mine, my work was in an annex connected to the gallery. And it did extremely well. <clears throat> so they've asked me to send more work. So that's very exciting. I'm suddenly um, bringing my artists going to my home home country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <weird>. yeah. <laughs> it's like almost like coming coming back where you where you coming came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. so tell me when you um. So the one of the distinct things about your artwork is how you use these silhouetted figures or shadow figures. Like, I don't, I don't know how you want mm. to describe them, but, um, mm. but they have a, a level of blackness to them that seems yeah. very particular. So what was the thought process behind like incorporating those figures like that? I think um, my, my thing is that I don't, in, in many ways, I'm still trying to be abstract mm. about uh, the figures, so I didn't want them to look very specifically like a person, and that's also why I tend to veer away from doing features, specifically eyes, um, because it feels like they're too specifically like a portrait, you know. Right. Um, and I, I think my graphic um, design years has had a lot of has had uh, you know quite an impact on how I do my my art because I love that sort of strong bold graphic outline that they create and then it gives me the the rest of the canvas to do all my sort of fantasy playful mostly florally type of thing all around them um so that seems to be yeah I, I mean yeah it's constantly evolving though never really like a, a specific i never feel like like okay this is it this is how i want to always do them right i mean they might even get eyes at some point who knows right oh no no i, I completely understand and so you talked yeah, about sure. um the floral kind of elements like where did your kind of love mm. for these floral elements come from or is that just another representation of abstract uh translation no i think I mean, we grew up, me and my two sisters and my mom, just a family of girls, we grew up 
in a tiny, tiny little village um, in the what was then called the Eastern Transvaal of South Africa. Um, it's kind of close to the Kruger National Park, um, but it's up on an escarpment and it's sort of reminiscent of England. It's got amazing weather and mountains and streams. And we ran around, little kids ran around on those mountains with our pets and farm animals and riding horses. And we were incredibly close to nature all the time. We, Our family outing on a weekend regularly was to go and swim in the, in the river and we'd swim naked because there was no one else there. It was just us. Wow. And we were totally safe. So I think that's part of my, yeah, that's just such a part of my upbringing. Um, and my mom was also very much, her illustrative stuff was very floral and nature inspired. Um, and she used to plant the most incredible gardens wherever we lived, um, mostly food gardens. Um, she wasn't into the pretty stuff. She was really into feeding her three hungry girls. <laughs> um, and being a single mom, she, you know, she wasn't, she was struggling. And that was the way she she survived, was making sure that she could provide on the table as much as possible from the garden. So, um, and, you know, she told us about fairies. And, I mean, that's the fantasy illustration that I'm talking about. We always had the most beautiful storybooks with all about, you know, the the fantasy world and fairies and goblins and all that. So it's definitely part of my whole childhood. It's just, you know, continuing. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. It's, it's a very, like, whimsical kind of element to it. Uh, you know, the colors are just playful mm. and dancing and like it's all, all these different shades uh, that's beautifully composed. Yeah. And so tell me, um, you call one Thank of your you. series a picnic series, right? Like, tell me what the, what was the idea behind yeah. that? Um, I think um, I wrote about it on Instagram really well. <laughs> I need to find <laughs> it and read it. <laughs> It was about, okay, well, first of all, they, they started out as little tiny, um, I was doing a sale during lockdown when I was completely in lockdown in my house and I couldn't get to my studio. So I, I made an illegal little trip to my studio and came back with <laughs> the things I could use <laughs> on my kitchen table. And um, then I decided to do a sale and raise funds for the local food kitchen. And I just was doing these small little pieces, um, collages and, and figurative stuff on paper. And I just started, it sort of just, it just sort of started happening. Um, I did one or two and then more people wanted them and then I did, a, I did more. And then someone said, please, can you do those on canvas? So I did a few on canvas. And in fact, that is exactly when Cece um, contacted me. Wow. And she was so, so in love with this um, series. And she said, um, she actually wanted, uh, she commissioned a piece, but then she also wanted some smaller um, works. And she said she loves the picnic series. And then the gallery in Los Angeles got some and they sold immediately before the show even started. So then, okay. So I didn't have an idea about, I didn't have I hadn't analyzed the thought process about why I had done them until 
that point. And then when I had to sort of discuss them and write about them, I thought about it for a long time. And it's interesting how, because I know when from friends of mine who've studied art, they seem to go the other way around. You've got to write about the thing and then you do the artwork. Right. Yeah, and I yeah. am so glad. I'm so glad I didn't go to art school because, I mean, I didn't do art. <laughs> I didn't do art because that way around would never, never work for me. To me, it's it, the whole reason one is creating is because you don't have the words, you don't have an understanding of the whole what's happening, and you're expressing as close to your emotions as you can through the means that you find the easiest. And for, for an artist, that is to do something with their hands and to just create something. And then that thing speaks to you. That thing tells you what it's about, you know? Right, yeah. So when I then looked at all my picnic people, I realized that there was something about them. There was this loneliness, like a sort of a whimsical sadness about each little figure. And most of them were sort of uh, like the sun has gone down. It's like, no, no, the sun's going down. It's, it's definitely the end of the day. The shadows are getting long. And so I, the way I interpreted it was that a picnic usually brings to mind, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people, beautiful, bright, sunny day, everyone's happy, everyone's enjoying each other's company and nature. And my figures are a complete contrast to that. So picnic is almost like uh, a wishful term because this figure is actually waiting for somebody mm. or waiting for her family. She's waiting for for that picnic to happen. That's <laughs> <So> kind of sad, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's kind of the perfect. It's the perfect uh, COVID um, theme where everybody's kind of in their own <laughs> separate spots. Yeah, doing it. And you know what? Because uh -huh, I'll exactly. tell you this: in in America, um, and I'm in, in probably the same where you are, but there's this kind of narrative going mm. on about um, black women and rest right rest is in in terms of being yeah. uh, being able to rest uh, to relax to put down the fight to and and that's such a privilege for people and, yeah. and black women especially are are so mm -hmm. valued for their labor um, that they never get a chance yeah. to rest and so it's something about leisure comes to mind when i look at it like these women mm -hmm. are escaping getting away like having their own time like personal space like on this blanket yeah, that separated oh, separates them mm. from from everything else uh it's something about that like yeah. is any any part of that can be fit into that because uh i don't know if i'm just reading it from definitely no definitely i mean i think there should be a multiple um interpretations of of an artwork otherwise it's just boring um and interestingly enough um Two women who've bought, two black American women um, or African American, whatever, um, who've bought picnic series have both said exactly the same thing as you just said. Wow. They've, that's what they, they need more of that in their lives. And they've bought it as a reminder um, to celebrate just, yeah, exactly that, just to be being where they are and just being able to rest and, Luxuriate was what the one woman said. Oh, she wow, needs yeah. to do more luxuriating. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great word. That's a great Which word. It's definitely a privilege. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. 
And so I like I love the interaction, um, how you have your figures sitting within this nature, like they're surrounded by these flowers, like uh, they kind of have made their own space in this paradise uh, that you have. Like so in the way that you abstract the the clothing. Right. And and I had an argument with my wife when I showed her your work and she was basically (laughs) it was about whether or not your figures were nude or naked and i was like you know maybe they are but as you see with these little details that you put in she probably does have on clothes mm. or maybe not like you you know it doesn't matter like some of them you, <laughs> some of them you see like the bare feet you mm. know what i'm saying and it's kind of i don't mm. know like what, what's your idea on that that's so interesting because that's what cc said she said um please do more of your nudes uh your picnic <laughs> nudes and i was um, and i thought what? (laughs) (laughs) But the one that she bought was a huge one and it was totally black except for some little floral details around her ankles. So she could easily have been nude. Um, And she's got this sort of, on her, I had lips because sometimes I I put lips on my black figures. uh, Yeah. And she had like a little sort of smug smile. So I kind of thought it was cute that to think that she maybe was <laughs> naked. But um, and then I started. I I then after she wrote that because I hadn't done the work for the gallery yet. I then thought I need to make it more obvious that they're not nude. Mm. So that's when I started putting patterns. Um, but only because it's so strange because when I first did some. Um, I had one of my first sort of prominent series for me, just because they got a lot of traction, was um, a, a series called At the Table. And there were these black figures sitting at a table, and then behind them was just this wall of florally stuff or big leaves and things. And they even have had breasts with nipples. And I could not sell these artworks in this country. They would they were <laughs> traveling all over the place. And wow. They were being photographed, but nobody wanted to buy them. And, I mean, that's that just is my country, unfortunately. Um, and then I decided to co- <laughs> to cover them. So I made these sort of just, you know, little – because I didn't want to put proper clothes on. So then I just did those sort of detail little dot things and, and got rid of the nipples. And then suddenly I had – you cannot believe how many people wanted to buy them. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I even had, but then I had a German customer sending me photos of the ones with the nipples saying, please, can I buy these two? And I said, sorry, <laughs> the nipples are gone. <laughs> and he was most upset. Simone Baptiste, the director of $16,000, and you're listening to Studio Noise. Wow, our tastes are, are anyway, strange right there, so, right? I know, but you know, I live in, Rubik Castile is a tiny, tiny little village. Um, it's not dissimilar to the tiny village I grew up in, but the one I lived in was in was far away from the sea, and this one is, you know, we're in the Cape. Um, close to the sea, but um, 
It is a very, very uh, conservative. Um, I mean, the whole of South Africa is quite conservative, being predominantly um, Afrikaans people who are very similar to the, I better get this right, um, Midwest, no? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What? What what the yeah, Americans call the rednecks? <laughs> very okay, similar. Yeah, very I understand. Similar. Yeah, I understand. Even down yeah. to the music, and I mean, so much stuff. It's quite funny. We laugh about it a lot. Um, so, and and unfortunately, um, yeah, they would. They so you know, it's so interesting because I realized once Cece and I started chatting, and she was buying my work, how I was suddenly liberated. I suddenly felt like, oh, my God, I can do this and I can do that. And I thought, but why could I never do that before? And I realized it was because I was now painting. It's terrible to say this, but I was painting for a different audience mm. because I'm not supposed to be painting for an audience. But as, as this is my main bread and butter income, Unfortunately, I, I do slightly censor myself, you know, for, right, the, right. for the people that I know my aunt going to. So it's been an incredible, um, such an incredibly exciting change of direction for me because I just suddenly know that I can, I can now not worry about any of that stuff. I can just do whatever I really want to. Right, right. So it's like know, it's the best. Yeah, it's like you just get introduced to a, a wider audience and you realize that you're not the only one that yeah. that reads the books that you read. You know, it's that type of thing. Exactly. Like you, you, exactly. If you've never seen anybody like make the moves you make, you kind of think you're alone or you're weird or you just get locked down in that yeah. kind of small town mentality. But artists feel like that. Like a lot of totally. artists feel like that because we're so uh -huh. so creative and we're always looking at stuff different. Uh, that's why my wife was looking at me like I was yeah. crazy when I was telling that the, the figures aren't new and she couldn't imagine <laughs> that they weren't because she didn't see any clothing. Like you got to imagine it. Like, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not all laid out in front of you, but artists, um, artists have that. You, that eye. Is she not an artist? No, no, she's, she's a scientist. She, yeah. She, um, has, she has her PhD in chemistry. So, so she is not thinking <laughs> like I was thinking at all. Yeah. <laughs> But, but oh, it's interesting. Yeah, but um, in terms of like your other work, um, I think the figures are incredibly striking. And in somewhere along the line, I read that you also do like pattern design, like surface design. Like I feel, I feel that like in the work a lot because it has yeah. like a rhythm to it. Like even though it's 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 kind of that abstract rhythm where you were talking about where things kind of dance and colors mm -hmm. pop up. Um, in random places, but they're not, yeah. it doesn't feel random. It feels like organized and, and, it, and it's all supposed to be surrounding these figures uh, like it does. Yes. In yeah. the picnic series, it does definitely. Yeah. Um, I think, um, uh, you know, that's just, it was a, I started off deciding I was going to do, um, um, <clears throat> textile design or yeah, surface pattern design or whatever um, as a way to make money and still be an artist um, before I completely committed to just being an artist full time. Right. 
so I, but I never really did it as a, as a profession ever. I never got to that point. Um, but I love pattern. I absolutely love pattern. And um, I mean, I designed loads and loads and loads of surface patterns that I thought off to somebody, some <laughs> business or something, or sell somehow, and I never did. So yeah, they're just finding their way into my into my art. Yeah, <clears throat> I love it. I love it, and especially like the way that when you start talking about um, some of the clothing that your figures are wearing, it 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 feels very layered and expressive. Um, and still, like going yeah. back to like your abstract kind of beginnings, almost. Um, a piece like uh, that's on your yeah, website um, yeah. called "A Spirited Conversation." Um, is there a story to this piece? Because it, it's it's very striking. Um, well, there is a story. I mean, it's not like a, a major story. It, it's just um, I decided that I needed to start uh, giving my one singular female some company. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I've got such amazing friendships. You know, my my girls, my girlfriends are just like everything for me my friendships are very very special and we have amazing amazing conversations um they're always i mean basically if you're friends with me you've just got to be a bit esoteric or very esoteric minded <laughs> and think, think out of the box because i get so bored with normal conversation i have to talk about everything other than the usual stuff you know yeah and um so and we're always we're always having these uh, sort of conversations that lead to epiphanies and just deep conversations so that's that's how that and actually that was an abstract and and then and that's the other thing i kept wanting to marry my figurative with my abstract work and i was having this conversation with this one artist um, who I actually have never met, but she's also in Cape Town, and but we connected on Instagram because I love her work. Um, <clears throat> she does amazing uh, abstract little cut, like tiny little bits of paper, and she just does these huge abstract, shimmery sort of incredible things. And um, I said I was saying to her that I really. I wish I could just bring these two together because I can't, I feel like I'm going schizophrenic. I cannot keep doing <laughs> abstract and figurative separately. I have to find a way to find that the joy I have, that freedom I have in abstract, and then the the other expression that comes through in my figuratives. And that I think that was what happened with that piece. It was the first one that I managed to get that feeling where I wasn't restricted by, you know, pure representational um, subject matter. And I could also enjoy the abstract elements. Um, and yet it was still two figures. And, and it's also got that whole spiritual vibe for me. It's, there's just, it's those, those sort of halos around the heads are, for me are depicting the energy that they're generating when they talk, you right. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then, and now I've just started doing, I've just done another one. I just see it's not posted here. I'll send you a photo. I've just finished it. Um, so I think I'm going to do quite a few of them because I love that one. 
Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I love this I next too. one I've done. I do too. And so, tell me, uh, yeah. jump to your process a little bit. Um, how long would does it take you to finish something of this size? This is says is a hundred uh, millimeters by oh. hundred millimeter. Like, like what what scale are you working at? Uh, and what's your speed? Me. Say again. Okay, so hundred by hundred centimeters. It should say. Okay. Uh, that's ooh, oh my gosh, oh that's totally wrong. um damn it's supposed to say centimeters so that would be 40 by 40 inches okay um so that's that's kind of a a happy space that i've got to because i love working much bigger and people uh, here we go again i limiting myself to my audience um or to my viewers or my buyers or whatever um, they would all always ask me for something smaller. So I got to this, and I, I kind of was enjoying the squares for a long time. Um, so that's, I do a lot of that size. Um, and then I go right down to like, you know, 22 by 22 centimeters. Um, but those are usually just purely abstract. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I've done, yeah, I've done lots of little figures that small. And then the biggest I've gone um, is like 1.2 meters by 2.7 meters. And that, well, one of them was uh, CC bought one and another one. I actually did three of those. So I'm not sure what that is in inches, but it's quite big. So does these, long. So these um, are, are your abstracts usually smaller? It would, it would feel like you would do... Uh, larger, just straight abstracts. Abstract. Yeah, no. yeah. I did. I did huge abstracts, but um, I haven't actually had time to do do them. I've just been too busy with the figurative work because I get a lot of commissions as well. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. And so, t- tell me and this. I, um, it's w- funny. I'm almost. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. What are you saying? Oh no, I was going to say I'm almost nervous to go back to doing abstract because I feel like uh, I won't want to go back to figurative again <laughs> once I get, get lost in that world again. Oh, it's like two lovers. It's just like having two lovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't, <laughs> can't help it. You can't help it. Yeah. No, that's, that's beautiful. What are you going to ask me? No, I was thinking about um, – like as you make the smaller abstracts, like what you, you describe kind of the the influence of your audience is having on you, but, but you're getting exposed to a much wider one, but in particular in South Africa, like what is the art scene mm-hmm. like there? Like you talked about connecting with another artist uh, over Instagram and stuff, but what what is it like um, mm-hmm. being a working artist in that country? Well, in Cape Town, um, it's Cape Town has got literally a, must have hundreds of thousands of artists, and it's it's kind of it's almost like the Portland of South Africa, except that Portland is is a city, and well, yeah, Cape Town is a city. Portland is a city, right? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, it, it is. is. Okay. Yeah. Um, just checking. So, um, Cape Town is is just tiny, but compared by comparison, 
but it is just full, full, full of artists. And all the galleries, good, good galleries are here. And, um, but there is a small, very, very small group of artists that actually get shown in the galleries. And then an even smaller group that actually make enough money from being a full-time artist to survive as an artist. Right. I think a lot of artists um, have more than one, you know, way of making an income. Um, and Johannesburg does have amazing galleries as well, but um, it's bigger. Um, and I don't know if, I don't actually know how many, like, really good artists um, manage to survive there in Joburg. We're very far strange. The, 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 these two cities are, are uh, about a thousand kilometers apart, and it's like two different worlds, mm, right. completely different worlds. Right. Um, there's, there are a lot more uh, progressive and um, wealthy black people living in Johannesburg than in Cape Town, for instance. And um, the local uh, the local people, black people especially, um, the, the, the percentage that have a large disposable income are not that into buying art. Strangely enough, really, it's not their first. It's not the first thing they'll go for. No, um, you've got to understand that they're also still quite new to being affluent and, you know, um, in that position to to do all that. So, you know, relatively speaking. So, I think seeing art as an investment is still quite a novel thing. For them, I mean, I'm not saying everybody, but it's definitely not right. Like, I just know that that local um, artists, black artists, will just immediately. I mean, exactly what's happening to me. We'll, we'll. Uh, the sooner our art gets internationally seen, the better for us. Right. And then it starts to sell, and then the locals will. Then it's the same with the music industry. It used to be. Then the locals will go, oh, <laughs> oh, we better buy some of her stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's similar right here in Atlanta. Atlanta feels like they're having the same conversations, oh. whereas uh, it's a lot of us oh. that are out trying to make a living, but you don't really get noticed unless you're from Atlanta, like somewhere else. Like, you know, if you go oh, to Atlanta. New York or, right. or L.A. or Dallas or somewhere else, you're from Atlanta, you're not from here so you you seem yeah. i don't want to say exotic but you seem like you're you're <laughs> you know just coming from a whole nother world like you were saying yeah but being in atlanta like you know yeah, they don't exactly. they don't know your name like and it's that type of thing but suddenly you know you're yeah, atlanta, so. atlanta famous <laughs> as as we say <laughs> it probably happens in a lot of places around the world it's yeah, just yeah. a thing of where people don't don't expect brilliance and genius to be next door to them. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's cool. That's cool. So, so you've and this has been recent since um, CC like got a hold of your work, like this year, 
Very young. She, it was the beginning of the year, just before lockdown. Okay. So yeah. in this new kind of demand for your work, do you feel, how do you feel about it? Like, do you feel like, like just funneling your work into the, the picnic series and these figures is creatively where you want to go? Or do you, would you rather be doing like something else or other ideas? That's a very, very good question because it is actually top most in my mind right now. I had to say, after the first lot got delivered to um, the gallery, it's called Band of Vices in Los Angeles. Um, and and, they, and the, the, the little picnic series, the small um, versions, they were, um, uh, what's it in inches? Well, they're 40 by 40 centimeters, which is, um, I think it's like eight or nine inches. No, maybe. Or 10, no, I can't remember. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's all right, it's um, all right. Uh, they, <clears throat> after they sold so quickly, um, the the curator said, please send another 15. And then he corrected it and said, please send another 20. And wow. I managed to do six. I managed to do six more. And I just said, <laughs> I cannot do any more. <laughs> Even though, and I was actually like, I was quite amazed because even though they are as good as sold and I'm getting, a really good price compared to what I could sell them for here. I cannot be a factory. I can't. I just right. cannot turn them out. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think people will feel that. They will definitely feel that they are being churned out, you know. Yeah, for so, sure. For sure. Uh, I did six and then I did, yeah, and then I did two completely different little things. And I told him, I said, I, I just need to, I also need to go bigger. And I need to do something completely different uh, for a bit. And if I feel like getting back to the picnics, I will. But uh, yeah, it's so it's such a strange situation because it's like when you're not in that position, you think, um, and you hear about an artist who's just not, you know, something's taken off, and everybody wants one. You think, oh, I would love to have that happen to me. I'll paint those. I'll do those. I'll paint a hundred of those. But when it really happens to you, you realize that you're really an artist. You're, you're really an artist. You are not a machine. <laughs> That's all there is to it. You've got to love doing what you're doing. Right. <clears throat> Otherwise, you can see it in the painting. And people are not... This is what I've realized now. This is going a little esoteric and out there, but I'm sure you can. I'm you with can you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Just go. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and your listeners. Um, if you, I think people are buying the energy that your work is vibrating. They're not really buying. They think they're buying a painting, but they're getting all that incredibly intense focus that you put into that piece do you know the japanese actually have a name for it i find this so beautiful but i don't know what the name is um i'm afraid i've forgotten what it was but they've <laughs> got a name for this thing that happens when an artisan or a craftsman spends enough time on a on a piece it it, it um it becomes imbued with a life 
an mm. actual a living essence. It's almost like it, it comes alive. And that story about Pin- Pinocchio just popped into my head. That's probably where that comes from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that man, you know, so longed for a, a child and, and put all that energy into that little thing. It's, it's a similar concept that the Japanese have got. And I think it was the Japanese. Um, and I think that's what happens when you create something, especially when you paint or you labor over something for a long time, like a sculpture or whatever. You, you are definitely putting something into it. Um, it's not a conscious thing. It's just that it now has loving focus attention on it. And when someone looks at that, it's almost like they lock into that feeling that you had when you got it and they either resonate with it immediately and then they want it or they feel uplifted by it because they don't have the same or they've been seeking that feeling. Right and and this this image or creation makes them feel it and it, yeah it's it's definitely I mean I'm not discounting a, a, a brilliant skilled artist but I'm I think the two are very very a big part of of the whole thing it's not just skill it's definitely not just skill because you know why here's a good example. You know these amazing Korean artists that can just rip off any artist. Oh yeah, like, yeah, brilliantly. Just, yeah, just duplicate just, anything. Yeah. yeah, they can just turn them up. I mean, you you cannot tell me that you could put one of those next to a real Van Gogh or a real, you know, um, whoever. One of those Korean ripoffs have been done by like a, a chain of people, and get the same feeling. I don't think, I mean, I've never done it, but I don't think you can. I don't think you could. You would not get the same feeling. And you know what's so interesting? They never sign them mm, because right. there's a whole bunch of them who've done it. But it's also because there is no one, there hasn't been look, like this concentrated essence of one person. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I completely get what you're saying because I, I think the same thing when, young artists ask me to look at their work. Like when, when they show me uh-huh. a, a young artist can be, you know, technically sound like uh, unbelievable, like photographic yeah. um, detail, but it, yeah. it doesn't have the, that thing that makes it art. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, and exactly. it's, uh, it's hard to explain, but you know, it when you see it, there's just mm. like what you're describing the mm. energy that's there a life, um, mm. something that just clicks and resonates. And, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to capture it. But and when you see a young artist that can do it, like you immediately know it, like right away. Yes. Yes. And you know what, what that is, I think, is that uh, when a young artist, like a young musician as well, or a, or a young dancer even, um, when they manage to, um, it's, it's almost like you're channeling the divine energy. Right. So when they, they've got an ability to do that, I just think they've brought that from another life because it's generally, that's why they're so rare because generally it takes like a long time of, of um, one working at your craft um, and going through the therapy 
that that does. Right. It, it, it's therapy for yourself. Any creative person is actually doing what they love because it's healing them. And I think that, that at some point it's done, maybe not all the healing, but it's done a significant amount so that, they, that, that now that sort of God force or the, the creative energy that's flowing that, that makes one create is coming through so much clearer that you feel it when you look at their work or when you see them dance or you hear their music. It's like it's just a little bit closer to to source, you know? Right, right. Anyway. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> I feel like I'm preaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could just go back and forth like this all day. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so uh, you know, we're reaching the end of our time. Like, I really appreciate talking to you. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you. But tell me one thing. Like, do you always oh, do you always dance in the studio? Because I've seen your videos <laughs> on oh. Facebook, like, are you always dancing? Is it is it a lively environment in your studio when you get into get into the work? No, <laughs> I. You know what happens in my studio? I go in and I I open my door and I take this big breath of gratitude, and then I put on something to listen to, like a podcast, and I just get zoned out listening to wonderful, uplifting stuff, and I paint. Dancing usually happens when I get home, and it happens seldom in my studio, um, <laughs> but usually in my lounge, <laughs> in my lounge at home. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing yo. you got such great energy it's been such a pleasure uh talking to you getting to know you thank uh, you jamal yeah, for sure and I, it's I been definitely, wonderful talking to you too yeah i definitely wouldn't mind come bring you back on the podcast and talking about um other issues and other things uh around your artwork in the art that world and fantastic. all that good stuff yeah i appreciate it yeah i would love that That's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the bag. Big shout out to Layla Fanner for coming on the podcast all the way from South Africa. You know, it's so great to get to see all these different experiences, get to know people. That's what we do right here on reaching out, getting to know people. So after that, I know you just can't help yourself. You're waiting so patiently, but you count it. You say, hey, Jay, when you came back, you said you got six episodes to get us out of this year. But guess what? I love y'all so much. I'm giving y'all a bonus episode to end the year off with a bang, a big bang. We got Vanessa German on the podcast coming up next week. It's going to be so great. Uh, another great conversation for you. In the meantime, between time, you need something to listen to. Uh, get a legendary interview like that coming up. Uh, you got to listen to some legendary music. So I got to go back in my old black man bag, uh, <laughs> my old school bag, and I got to tell y'all, you got to listen to Al Green, Let's Stay Together. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know it ain't nothing but good vibes in the studio. You play that.
man, you play this in the studio, you might just start cleaning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. You just start playing this kind of stuff. You just start, got your studio looking spotless <laughs> up in there. Oh, man, listen to that voice, yo. Such a magnificent, yo. We so, black people so beautiful. I swear to God, yo, we can't, can't help it, yo. Too much magic going on. <laughs> and I want to thank you so much for listening to Studio Noise Podcast. Please take a second wherever you're listening. is podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. Why don't you hit that subscribe? And if you can on Apple Podcasts or something like that, why don't you go ahead and rate us? Give us some five stars. Write a review. Get us pumped up in the charts. Let everybody know about the noise. Of course, you can follow us on IG where we post some pictures from all our guests and all the Studio Noise fam all the time on at Studio Noise Podcast. Send me an email if you want to keep the conversation going. Got any questions or any any suggestions for new people to interview for the new year? Why don't you send those to me too? At Studio Noise Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find your boy, Jay Barber, at Jay Barber Studio on all your social medias. And to all my artists out there, we counting down before we get up out of here. I want to give y'all a big Merry Christmas from the noise. You know we love you. We uh, hug your family. You know what I'm saying? Get them gifts under the tree. Spread that love. You know what I'm saying? Take your time. Enjoy yourself. Please enjoy yourself. Be grateful for life and love. All that good stuff. And then after that, we'll be back with more episodes. And you'll be back in the studio making that noise. It's the noise. Studio noise, baby. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.